everyone. Welcome to the show Off The Record. I'm Aram Nokumuk, the host. Uh, thanks for tuning in. On this show, I'm interviewing well-known CEOs and VCs about how to spend the money uh, that you raise effectively and what mistakes to avoid. Uh, my guests have been in the trenches and have lots of practical advice to share around company stories, failures, and successes. Uh, as a founder, you'll hear uh, what you can do better when raising money uh, and after you have raised the money as well, all in the 30-minute conversation. And if you happen to be a VC, you're also in the right spot. You'll get to learn from your peers. So this is episode number eight, and I'm here with Jillian Manis from Structure Capital. Uh, Jillian is an experienced banking and media executive, a technology investor and entrepreneur. She is the managing partner of an early stage Silicon Valley uh, venture fund uh, named Structure Capital. Branded as architects of the zero waste economy, uh, they invest in underutilized assets and excess capacity. Jillian, thank you so much for being on our show. It's a pleasure to have you. My pleasure to be here. Hello, everyone. Awesome. Thank you. Um, let's just jump right into it, Jillian, if you don't mind. I, the first question I have is something that we discussed um, previously during a phone call. You eloquently kind of bucketed companies um, into different kind of stages or uh, statuses in terms of where they are during the whole lockdown and pandemic with everything going on. You mentioned things like pause, pivot, and propel uh, as some, some of the bucket terms. I'd love to kind of learn more about that so that the audience can understand a bit more around your methodology. Yeah, so um, I think we all saw this and everybody uh, had a different way of describing the landscape um, uh, from the impact of COVID we saw our companies very specifically falling into these three categories um and at some point um we try to understand the patterns as well around this um there were companies that obviously were in hospitality um some were in transportation they were uniquely and um vulnerable to um, this pandemic, obviously, but at, such as um, the travel business, restaurants, um, certain types of uh, alternative transportation like scooters. Um, and so those really had to pause, uh, like a hard pause. And then those are other ones that had to pause very fast but then had to pivot almost on a parallel track because um, they did not have the uh, runway and that definitely dictated what that uh, acceleration to the pivot was. And then there are other ones that obviously were propelled by COVID, many in healthcare um, that we saw healthcare efficiencies uh, providing labor forces um, to uh, the communities. Uh, one of our companies, WorkPath, which is now being acquired. Um, and so we, so in some ways, that is just as stressful for a company as when you have uh, a pause because the the just surge of demands and the surge of capital is also as stressful 
and um, sometimes as um, as confusing for a company um, as trying to understand what a pivot would look like. And what during this whole process that some of these organizations have gone through between a pause, pivot, or propel uh, a company going through, what do you think has been their biggest change in focus or shift around how they deploy that capital that they have or are getting or what's remaining? Yeah. Of yeah. Um, well, first of all, there's sort of a rule of thumb when everyone went into this is basically, do we have and how do we, if not, how do we get to 18 months of runway? So that's, that's sort of the rule of thumb. And then work backward from that. Um, there are what we call sort of surgical tactics, which is furloughing, obviously reducing headcount, um, just trying to um, focus on core business, maybe cutting off unessential businesses or businesses that are in um, development. Um, we saw a, a couple of companies wisely acquiring, doing micro acquisitions, which I think adds tremendous value, especially in this time. And so that was another way we were thinking about the, the capital. Um, they, there was, for some of the companies, there was some relief, government relief, but we also were confronted by some ethical um, conversations with companies who did not have to reduce headcount were not were able to make rent and pay benefits and yet they were trying to figure out if they would uh, qualify and the fact is is that they would not qualify so given that ethical decision then how do they increase their runway and just being more capital efficient, but also using non-traditional data to better understand and model out the next 18 months. And I think that was difficult to address at first. And then the companies, a lot of our companies started helping each other to locate, to identify the data that might possibly inform them uh, uh, to what they needed to forecast. Oh, interesting. Can you give us an example of what that data change looked like? Like, well, you know, so let's talk about a company that paused, right? Completely had to pause, shut down. And it was called, it's called Wheels Lab. So Wheels Lab sent a note out to everyone. They have a great blog and it is an electric, it's a scooter. It's a different type of form than a lime or a bird. It actually has the. It actually has larger wheels. It has a little seat. Um, it's a, It's it's just a, a safer, more stable um, vehicle. So they had to do a hard pause, um, shut down literally in March. Furloughed about seventy percent of their. And I made some notes on this to make sure I got all this correct. They um, furloughed about seventy percent. Um, and then they had to rethink because at that time it was a ride sharing right company with the scooters. Um, but they started to rethink and then collect some data around electric bikes as a whole and 
they sort of start seeing spikes of electric bike sales and then realized that they actually needed to relaunch this and instead and and provide a rental capacity for the bikes that would deliver to the, their customers and also get a a put stand up a b2b where um this these bikes these scooters these bikes and they added a a, a, a basket and self-cleaning handles and so then they started to see that they needed to to um sell and rent to businesses for deliveries and essential for basically essential workers um this is the most safest social distancing right transportation and i think that this micro mobility is something that we're all seeing a an increase but during this pandemic actually this social distancing has played very well into this into this company but not into their present business model now they relaunched in june and they added all of this um this versatility and but they had to start understanding a little bit more about the the bike about electric bikes and the purchasing patterns um during the pandemic um the retail the rental capacities um cleaning and uh so it, 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 i gave them a lot of credit and they've really bounced back they've launched into a number of new markets and now internationally and i think that this pandemic actually um accelerated them and in fact deepened their um their stickiness that's very interesting um or those pause and and pivot um companies in your portfolio Jillian what how hands on or hands off are you as a vc when you know they hit a rough spot and they come to you and they're like looking for guidance um i mean how do you approach this, those situations do you get involved do you let them kind of figure it out and then you kind of green light the direction that they might be going in in terms of like maybe taking that capital and putting it into um these new potential opportunities how do you how do you like review these um decisions yeah well you know structure is known for being very very hands on some vcs are not as much and we really i mean i was on the phone 24/7 with our companies trying to figure out you know where what bucket they were falling into and um and how to make these very severe cuts to headcount how to have those conversations who to cut um how to should they be raising when should they be raising how to raise um so we i mean some vcs are not as engaged um but i have to say during the pandemic i increased my venture network tenfold because really? all of us because it was triage all of us were just calling each other saying you know what are you doing i don't know what are you doing here's what my and we were actually partnering up our companies to to leverage each other's portfolio and um an investor network because yeah. all of a sudden all of our companies or most of our companies needed capital and there was just not 
enough that each one of us had, or even if we did have it, did we want to just start to dump it in um, without, you know, we need to de-risk um, our exposure. And so it was, but back to yours, I, I got into every single conversation with our founders. Um, it was unbelievably struggle for them. Part of it was to rethink the business, to model it out. Um, that was the most difficult. Uh, and so, and what were the other opportunities? So we were on our calls with all of our founders saying, okay, what would be a, what would a pivot look like? What would a pivot look like for nine months that won't completely destroy the core business of the company? I mean, what happens? There's a company called Chef's Feed. So it is sort of a referral from chef to chef, from chef to customer on where they eat. In other words, if you want a salmon and you land in, I don't know, in Denver, you just, you put salmon in there and all the chefs in Denver actually recommend where they eat salmon. And then it also has a platform and it's very, very big. I mean, we have um, tens of thousands of chefs all over the world on the platform. They also create um, content around, um, you know, around chefs' histories. And, uh, and so you really get to know a lot about the personality of the chefs. So since content creation, it was such a big part, but obviously it was dependent on these restaurants, they had to pivot. And so now what? And so we started to think this and then brought all of these chefs online in order to teach cooking, teach their favorite dishes. And, um, and then, but through this all, they had to start to think because their customers, a lot of their, their big, big partners were Marriott and Visa and, you know, there are a number of big, big hotels that were getting cut themselves. And so that was very, very difficult to figure out how to, who their new customer was, how to reach them. Um, and it was a, it was a, it was a, he a heavy, heavy left and really, really struggled, really struggled. So, but um, they're, they're, still, they're still in the game and we have conversations with them every every week and many of these founders for five months i was having conversations with them at least three times a week wow. at least yeah it just goes to show how um, how hands-on you are which is which oh. is great especially yeah. during crazy no sleep no yeah. sleep <laughs> no sleep <laughs> no sleep everybody says do i understand you work 24 7 like uh-huh yeah. because because we don't have a choice right now yeah. we don't have a choice um, for a lot of your background, or if I'm not mistaken, a lot of the focus of the firm is really around earlier stage companies. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to get kind of your practical advice or, uh, that can be beneficial to a founder first time or serial, a serial entrepreneur who's going to be looking, um, in the next six months to do their first raise, um, for say, a seed round what what do they need to think about now in the next six months when they try to go get that raise yeah you know um 
I don't think, I think on one hand, people can say it's so different to raise money right now. But I do believe that if you have a good company and if you have a good story, mm -hmm. and if you're really leaning into your brand narrative and you can explain succinctly the value of your company, um, both now and be very honest about it, as well as post-COVID, uh, I think that there is definite money to be had. Um, we are, we, are, we raised a growth fund, and so we've been investing in some later stage companies. Um, but uh, I still maintain, I still invest as an angel into early stage companies. Um, there, we just don't have any powder left for from structure uh, to do so. But I have to say that I find the fact that COVID has is pushing people to um, deepen their um, deepen their understanding of and of their businesses and how to model them better and how to create a forecast that's based on on data, not just on will um, and and a wish. Um, I'm finding that. Uh, the pitches that I'm hearing now are much more detailed and um, and they need to understand also that they cannot just set up a business that is a COVID response. Like we want to know a business that is, that they understand the challenges and also the opportunities of COVID, but um, they're also fitting themselves into this reimagined world. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's very interesting. Um, with um, with that, um, when we had a chance to speak last time, there was this truly profound thing that you said, which I, I really want the audience members. Only one thing. Well, right. no, there was many. There was, many, but there was one that I thought oh, that's was, profound. Right. <laughs> that was really kind of inspiring. Was uh, what you said was stopping is actually accelerating. Yeah. Um, given the circumstances or not, I, I, you know, I had some time to reflect on that and I thought that was uh, quite intriguing. I wanted to kind of get you to kind of talk through that a bit more in terms of your, your meaning behind it and uh, what you could kind of pass down in terms of uh, your um, a perspective on it. Yeah, well, I have a personal perspective on it and I have a professional perspective on it. My professional uh, perspective came from Tom Friedman's book called Thank You for um, Being Late. And in that book, he talks about the value of, of the pausing and how when you just, when you pause, you don't necessarily stop. You actually propel. You actually accelerate because you have sat for a moment and really understood the dynamics of yourself, of your business, of the impact it has on those around you, as well as your customers. And I think that we all have been forced to sit in our lives as we never have before because of this pandemic. Mm -hmm. And so we've been forced to pause, if you will, in some respects, 
um, at least our bodies to pause, which hopefully will be followed by our minds. But if pushed to do so, all of all of the sort of our weaknesses and our vulnerabilities are revealed, as are our blessings and superpowers and an opportunity to do better or do something differently. And I think that it's important for all of us to just sit for a bit. And I really mean that. I'm not talking about meditation, although um, it, that's wonderful that I haven't mastered that. Um, I'm not talking about that. I'm really saying sometimes for, for a team, it's important for everybody to just stop stop everything that they're doing, not make a note, don't get on their phone, don't do anything. And just literally go through a couple of days thinking about a different way that they might have, they might be able to do something. Um, there's a great TED talk about procrastination and it, um, it's not really a pause, but procrastinating is sort of a pause. And it's all about how procrastinators actually get sometimes more done better because they wait and they sort of marinate on an idea. And when they then fully act upon it, it's better, it's better, um, it's better evolved. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that that's part of the pause that I think we're all in this rapid fire, instant gratification, you know, world. And that definitely is not serving us very well as the world is trying to quiet down. I think we need to do so as well. Personally, many, many years ago, I actually was paralyzed. I fell down a flight of stairs and I was paralyzed from my waist down. And I was in the hospital for many months and I really didn't know if I was going to ever be able to walk again. And I am um, through long story. But anyway, I remember rolling through the halls of the hospital. I was there for a long time, three o'clock in the morning. And I realized and I made a pact with God around. I said, if you can just stand me up, if I can just walk from my son's birthday, I will never complain about pain again. And I said, because I realized that I'd rather feel everything or something rather than nothing at all. And I had this long conversation with God, literally out loud, because I was in the middle of the home, there was no one around. <laughs> and I remember almost receiving um, a thought in my head at that time, not just around pain and discomfort, but around almost having to sit down and stay and think about life and reflect and pause. And it was almost like, and I'm always in perpetual motion. My father said this, everybody says this, Jillian, you're always in perpetual motion. My father actually says I've answered my pants, but it, it is a matter of, I kind of thought at that time that God kind of said enough, sit your ass down and you just pause for a second. You just reflect for a second. You have to 
rethink and reobserve and embrace life differently. You can't just zoom through it. And I do think that personally, that's definitely had an impact. But when I thought about COVID and I think about companies, I really, really stress to the founders that they must, must pause. They must release and they will find more clarity in that. They must marinate. No, they need to step back. You just can't be like this all the time. You will never, ever be able to properly see the full dynamic and the full, the full wonder of what you are building if you're always like this. Now, that's, um, that's very interesting. Uh, you've had an incredible journey, Joanne, in terms of all the things that you I didn't know about. Um, I know, you did it. Experience, it was an but... aha moment for you. <laughs> no, but I mean, you're a person of like many, many uh, strengths, lots of superpowers. Um, I want to ask on the investing on the VC side, what do you think has enabled you to achieve a lot of success as a VC? You know, one different like one differentiating factor or superpower or anything that has enabled you to kind of propel you to where you are now? You know, it's interesting because you sent me the list of questions a little bit and just said, these are things we want to talk about. And I thought, okay, this I got, this I got, this I got. Oh, this is be fun to talk about. This particular question, I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> I think that, you know, on one hand, I can say that I deeply, deeply care first about the person yeah. and not about the product. And I, I've said to you this, but it's never, never, or rarely the products that fail. It's always the people. And so I put a, a, an extra emphasis, time, energy, to really connect with these founders as people, to understand the dynamics of their home life, to understand what they're going through um, emotionally. And I, I believe that, I don't think that's my superpower, but that I do have this strong um, emotional intelligence that I do think um, serves me quite well in life. But I, I truly care about the founder. Mm -hmm. I, I start there. And, and then with that, I help them to realize their potential. And with that, they realize the potential of their companies. That's it. It's really interesting. You mentioned um, the importance of mental health, <clears throat> mental health before and different occasions from things that we, we found. Yeah. Um, aside from the things that you've mentioned so far, uh, what should founders start doing for themselves right now in order for them to be able to have this type of ability to run their businesses properly with clarity, with confidence? Um, any, uh, any further uh, tips? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, actually, I also have an answer to the what advice would you give to a 30-year-old, okay? But um, for this one, um, it is balls to the walls right now. We are just stressed out of our mind. Um, and, and 
and frustrated and we on some hand bored with the repetition um so we're all dealing with mental health issues even if we say we're not we we all are with founders almost worse because they're tackling the challenges of also remotely maintaining the you know the enthusiasm of the team maintaining the connections and and the workflow um is being is 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 a problem i say to founders, and I also say to friends, there are a couple of things that I do. First of all, I am very, uh, I'm, I'm a big supporter of learning horizontally. And I, and if you speak to any of my founders, you'll hear I say this all the time. You cannot approach building or, or, or uh, just progressing in life vertically there and in all sincerity men are vertical thinkers and women are horizontal thinkers um there's a great book called the female brain and the male brain by dr luann brisendine she talks about how our brains are so anatomy you know the anatomy of our brains are so different we're wired so differently we listen differently we react differently because we hear things differently and we process differently. There are ways that I tell women to, to take down the, their thermostat and there are ways I tell men and they're different to tell you the truth. But the one thing that I have told both of them and the one thing that I do is I listen to TED Talks all the time. I, listen, I try to listen to one a day, I kid you not. And I don't have time to sit there watching, but I'll take it and I'll walk around with it. And they're very small. And I say, listen to three TED Talks that pertain to business, something that you will learn directly correlated to your business. And listen to four TED Talks a week that have zero to do with your business. They, I'm learning about this little dinosaur right now, and I'm learning about bugs, and I'm learning about pyramid architecture and block formation of birds, which by the way, all of these, I take away something and apply it to business, like flock formation of birds, how they communicate with each other in teams, even if they're not communicating directly, and even though they're in flight and they're active, they're still communicating to be able to understand you know who's the lead who you know how to how, who's what's the reporting you know uh design uh and i've learned a lot but what it does i by the way just what a recent one was the history of the of the jump rope <gasps> well that was fascinating fascinating so i think it's important to really get out of your head and learn things that are just whimsical almost. And believe it or not, um, and also I learn uh, I, I, when I drive, sometimes I'll just get in the car during COVID and go for a drive and just drive nowhere and put a comedy station on um, because I love to laugh and I feel it's critical to laugh. And so zoom into you know, podcasts that will make you laugh, laughter, to me is also the diluter of, of stress. Um, I obviously exercise and all that, but also learn something, learn something not just 
listen to something different, but learn something. So I'm learning the harmonica. So because it completely takes me out of anything that I would even think of doing, I'm not musically uh, inclined whatsoever. Um, but for some reason, I've always wanted to learn harmonica. So during COVID, I'm learning the gosh darn harmonica. So it's, it's really something about finding little tiny, um, little tiny pops of, of laughter, of humor, of whimsy that um, enables all of us to navigate through these challenging times and then pass it forward, share it with a friend. I have a number of people who are now taking harmonica lessons. So you can do that online. So that's, that's just it. And also talk to other people, listen to other people. I heard a therapist say many years ago that it's not what, it's not the response that people get that help them. It's more the fact that they just need someone to listen to them. Okay. And if we can all just listen, I tell men this all the time, just listen. Don't solve the women in your life's problems. Don't come up with a roadmap. Don't come up with some grand solution. They don't want to hear that. All they want to know is that you are listening. And I, and I don't mean to single out men, I'm so sorry. But the fact is, is that all we have to do right now is listen and make sure that the people in our lives know that they matter to us. I think it's a really interesting point. I think it's not just um, like my wife listening to her, but also listening to my team, listening to my clients. It's just yes. like a matter of just like stopping, pausing, assessing, understanding yeah. what it is yes. what yes. thinking about. And, uh, and saying, what can I do for you? Like, what can I do? I tell new founders all the time. This is one of my rules. Okay, this, and, I, and this is an aha moment for most founders. Don't go, when you need someone from so, something from somebody, from a company, you know, I was on a phone with a founder just recently who's working on a cardio, um, uh, a support system for cardio disease uh, patients um, and they, he wanted to get in touch with the heart association. He's been trying to get to them. And I said, you know what? I, he said, I want to um, get some data on this and that. And I said, no, I said, you're going about this first of all, the wrong way. When you go to someone, you first question you should ask them, whether it be a VC, whether it be a partner, whatever is, what can I do for you? Mm -hmm. What can I do for you? You give something before you get something. What is the win-win? So I said, go and their website, find out what they're doing, what they're trying to do, what they're setting up now, what are the new programs they're introducing, and then go to them and say, hey, I can help you do this with your program. I can provide you that. I mean, that's what people want to hear. What can, what can you do for somebody else? Stop asking what you want from them. And I think we'd actually have much better outcome, period, in this country and in the businesses. You want to raise money? Well, then find out about who you're raising money from.
before you go out and ask them. Find out about the dynamics of their portfolio. Read about, read some of the, the blogs, read some of the papers they're writing. Read what the VCs care about. Because in the end, first and foremost, it is the emotional connection to your product that is going to inform an, a VC on if this is going to have um, sustainability, you know, because in the end, we're all looking at, and I know I'm jumping a bit, but in the end, I say to founders, you have to establish the why, the emotional connection to your product before you establish the what and the how it's done. It is the cardinal rule is you never want someone to buy your product. You want someone to own your product. And why are they going to want to own your product? So it's around, I just did a whole 360 here, but the big picture is the emotional connection we have to ourselves, we have to our companies, we have to our products, we have to our world, we have to each other. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really what we're learning most of all as we're navigating all of this. Um, What's your emotional connection? That's, that's fantastic, Jillian. Thank you so much. Um, I got last question for you. You kind of touched upon already, but I wanted to ask with everything that you know now, uh, considering your career, your experience, if you were to kind of go back in time to when you were 30, what, what would you tell yourself in terms of advice? Well, first of all, I would love to go back to when I was 30. So <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be so fantastic. Um, uh, this is actually a lot of soul searching, by the way. I had to think about this. Okay. Yeah. And if I had, and I could think of 10, okay, 10 answers to this question. But I, but for, for, to put in a business context, right? number one would be don't burn bridges mm. don't burn bridges you know at the end of the bottom of my emails and one of my mantras is be tenacious but gracious and in any situation don't leave it worse off than you did coming into it it is not going to serve you well um, you may feel that you've been treated unfairly and you can definitely take a stand and you can definitely obviously stand up for yourself. Um, but in all sincerity, I had wished I was not so quick on the button when I was in my twenties and early thirties. Um, I think that there were, I have since then actually restored many of those bridges some of them by literally calling these people up and saying, I, I should have handled this better. And mm -hmm. I'm sorry I didn't. And they appreciated that. Um, it took me into my older age to realize that humility it's is power. That is a really big power. That's, uh, that's really interesting. Thanks. Uh, thanks so much, Jillian. That was uh, a lot of wisdom shared, a lot of knowledge. It was great having you on the show. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, and I love your shirt. I love orange. 
I mean, wear black, but this is one of my company's shift. And so I always try to wear some of our portfolio swag. Good, good. Um, so to all the, all the listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to another Off the Record episode. Uh, just to recap, it's a new podcast with the goal to build a community of founders and VCs around it so they, they can help each other make better businesses. Uh, so thanks again, and I'll see you next time. Thank you. Stay safe, everyone. We are proud.